0: Welcome to another great evening of technology conversations right here on 97.3 City FM and today we get to meet a very interesting man with a very interesting mind and lots of insight. Welcome to City Trends. My name is the Sean and City Trends is sponsored by First National Bank. Now on the show today,
1: there is literally no breathing room. More so because your challenge as a leader is always vision. It's always seeing ahead of what is and being able to marshal the energy and bring people along with you to step into that future before it's evident before it's obvious and before others have recognized and realized it otherwise you can't win.
0: Kofi Dadze, co-founder of Rankard, joins me on the show to provide some insight about his years of working within the technology space in ghana things we can improve things that you probably will find very intriguing and interesting and of course some very insightful thoughts about growing the tech space in ghana we have the your tech segment we have the app segment and we have trending as well coming up Stay tuned in and enjoy the show. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 54 998 eight six6996 Tweet at us using hashtag Citytrends. We well, are still tuned in to City Trends on 97.3 City FM. And in this series on City Trends, we have Conversations with some of Ghana's most notable and top technology um, CEOs or tech top tech solution providers about their lessons they've picked up over the years, um, whether personal or you know out in the public domain, and how also some of their work is shaping the tech ecosystem in Ghana. And the first guest in our series is co-founder um, of Rank Hard. Kofi Dots. He describes himself as an entrepreneur, an, an entrepreneurial leader and with rich experience, building products, teams, and international partnerships to deliver innovative technology solutions. Kofi, thank you so much for making time to join us on City Trends. Really appreciate your time. Thank you, Philip, for having me. Now, I mean, yes, you you know, you handed over gone through a whole succession plan and everything of rank hard. You have someone who is now GM managing everything, but from where you sit, um, how how do you feel about what the tech ecosystem in Ghana is looking like today as compared to what you found it, um, some found it on the, the situation you found it in some years ago?
1: Um, Philip, that's uh, a great, Question um, or a great uh, two-part question you connected, because um, one of the interesting things for me, stepping back and stepping aside, was also the recognition that what brought me into technology entrepreneurship some 20 or so years ago um, has evolved so much that my contribution um, and, uh, you know, in um, uh, an innovative technology venture um, would not be the same today as compared to when I started and that the organization I was moving on from would, would merit and deserve people leading it who were like as I was to that time as they are to now because so much has changed and... The pace of change is so rapid that it almost doesn't matter how much you try to keep abreast there, there are always going to be people who are much closer intuitively to what the nuances of technology engagement with society are than you are. Hopefully people like me can, um, create a valuable connection with what has evolved in the past and use that to deepen an understanding of how things continue to shape. But one also has to make room for and support others to lead what the path forward is. And um, ultimately, that's um, how I see the world evolving, as well as what it meant for me to step back from Rancard and have um, gentlemen like uh, Ernest, who's our new MD. and Um, Kingston Tego, who is leading Abley, our product team, um, who are just that much closer, not only to where we are today, but even more importantly, in their intuitive understanding of how technology is evolving and what that engagement with society is going to look like. And that's what ultimately success in a technology venture is about. It's about having an intuition about the future, its connection to the present, and being able to take a leap towards it and then ultimately bring that along with you, um, willing customers who are, whom you've been able to build trust with.
0: But it's not always the easiest decision to make, to step away from something you've, you've built literally from scratch. And... I mean, aside aside the the noble um, effect it probably has on anybody who's watching from the side, I'm guessing it was a rather emotional moment for you as well. Can you can you tell us about that experience? Because I can imagine a number of tech CEOs who are doing the listening right now who are probably contemplating the moment when they have to step away from the the businesses that you've they've helped to build, maybe because they are looking for new challenges or or in your case, because you feel that there is a new frontier that needs I don't know, quote and unquote new energy to help to achieve. Tell us about the emotional
1: side of stepping away. Yeah, it's it's um certainly isn't easy, but there are a number of things that can facilitate that transition when it's time for it to happen. And um, a lot of it is about preparation, one of yourself, if you are in that leadership position, and preparation of the organization that you're going to transition from. Um, for me personally, what had helped my preparation was um, back in about 2011. I got invited into the Aspen Institute's uh, fellowship program. And there was a focus on understanding your need to commit yourself to community significance on the basis of the professional success that you have built, or to put it differently, to begin to think, about beyond the success, the personal career success I have built. How do I connect myself with my community, understand what its challenges are, and be significant to that using the very skills I've learned, the networks I've built, the opportunities and the privileges I have to do that. And it's interesting that while the going through the Aspen Fellowship seminars was about I think a year and a half in all. <clears throat> Crystallizing the learning and the direction from it took me a number of years more. I'll, I'll, I'll go as far as saying several years more to come to that realization as to what community significance meant. And it was interesting that in that window I began to get exposure through engaging in say, um, the World Bank Africa Action Plan, where I'd be sitting with people from government, from CSOs, from different perspectives, would be talking about this community, what the gaps are. I began to learn about expressions, uh, speaking to um, inclusion, exclusion, gender sensitivity, different g- gaps. So that I, I was thrust into that broader community and I say trust into because yes, you may be living physically in it, but when you are in the deep throes of an entrepreneurial build-up, one of the things you tend to do is you tend to focus very heavily. And so you don't notice a lot of what's going around you. And because focus is so fundamental to how you eventually break through and win. So I began to pay more attention and get more sensitized as to what this community is around me. And... What and how I could begin to understand, and perhaps in the future begin to have some impact on that community around me, relative to what my career in engineering and entrepreneurship had taught me, that began to formulate. So, by the time um, now shifting to the organization, shifting beyond me to the organization, by the Time it became apparent to me that the evolution of the organization of Ranka, the next its next level, its next product discovery and innovation cycle would need different leadership. Would need new leadership, just as you've seen happen with any other technology company. Maybe tracking out there, big or small, technology companies like all other organizations, but maybe in a more intentional and at a more fast pace, need renewal. Well. And sometimes you do it within while steering, but there's a stage where you really just have to step back. Especially if you are a founder CEO, because there's a stage at which you're you become like the furniture. You know, everything reflects you. And so if you want there to be a significant change, you really need to step back and step out of it for that to happen, a significant thing which goes beyond you, beyond your intuition and understanding. So there were these two forces working. One, the organization needed to go through a certain level of evolution, which would be beyond um, what its founders had, had, had brought to it in an earlier stage. And then the other is that personally, as a CEO, and what i had learned about my community and impact i i had um i guess gained some awareness and um, was coming closer to a point where i felt well maybe there's an opportunity to begin to explore the broader environment the broader community around me and how i can engage with that which is an exploration that i am still um nurturing i'm still figuring out, um, since I stepped back, as you may be aware, I, um, consulted with and joined the MasterCard foundation, the digital economy team to help define strategy, to help define how the foundation in its focus on empowering young Africans to access dignified and fulfilling work to do so with this lens, this digital lens that one needs to look, um, through to understand the world and how it's evolving, and especially the world of work and how it's um, evolving. So I'm continuing to find how to bring that um, uh, impact to community, connecting back from what my um, journey in a career of um, software engineering and innovation has been.
0: Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 54 998 Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. That's that's interesting though, because it 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 sort of gives me the impression that there needs to be a balancing act almost. And i I mean, depending on the stage or the 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 stage where one's business is, they might have, for want of a better word, the, the, the liberty to consider things like impact on their community and giving back and things like that. Because truly, a lot of the time, you are kind of trying to figure out how your business is supposed to survive on a day-to-day. I mean, um, you yourself had a similar experience on some years ago where, you know, you had to basically bring the business um, from, from a position which was not the most pleasant in terms of how revenues are coming in and whether you're being able to balance the books. From On hindsight, from where you sit today, and where do you think a tech CEO's focus should be um, in, in those moments when they have to necessarily be worried about the day-to-day management um, where funding is going to come from, R&D, all of these things, and balancing all of that with the thoughts of, you know, how much am I giving to the community and all of that? How how do you... how What's your advice for tech CEOs today who are trying to also navigate those waters?
1: Yeah, it's really interesting and it is challenging getting the balance right. And I'm not sure whether... Um, while I was CEO of Rankard, I ever really got it right. I, I was pretty much a hundred percent focused in the organization. And while I was getting exposed, while I was invited to some engagements, while I was challenged to speak to the impact of evolving technology on the society around us. And so I had to learn and understand more of that, um, at best, those were instances, they were one of invitations, they led me to explore, but I never really had even half a foot out, until I was fully out. It was, I was in, and then I was out. Um, and, and I say this because there are some who are able to balance, perhaps, a more stepwise transition, um, and there are many ways of doing it. So I guess the first point would be that your own personality, your proclivities and your ability and, and, and the team you have around you, these will all be factors which will determine what is an optimal way to introduce yourself to what your life beyond your entrepreneurial journey will be. That's one. So it it, it will probably be a slightly different uh, process for different people. Now, the point I'm also making is there is no point at which as a tech leader, you can afford to take your eyes off. You can afford to take your finger off the pulse of the nature of change in whatever sector of the industry you're focused on and in all the related aspects of it that are going to drive change and impact you, that are going to influence the way your customers will respond, that are going to shape the markets, and that are going to determine the environment in which you're going to need to strategize, compete, and win. There there is literally no breathing room, more so because your challenge as a leader is always vision. It's always seeing ahead of what is, and being able to marshal the energy and bring people along with you to step into that future before it's evident, before it's obvious, and before others have recognized and realized it. Otherwise, you can't win. So, um, so, I think, um, and this will apply with leadership in any other sector as well, but in the technology industry, where the orchestration of fast-paced change is the nature of the game, it's even that much more intense. So, it's 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 the the connection to. R&D, like you mentioned, you know, is really at the heart of it. R&D is a culture. It's a culture that is tied to vision and discipline. It's about, I can see ahead what has the opportunity to emerge because of some things I understand now and some trends I have studied and some intuition I have, but maybe I can't fully explain. Therefore, I'm going to invest In building up the capability to unlock and win those opportunities I see and I'm going to invest means I'm going to put together a team of people who have the capacity and the the necessary intensity to be continuous learners because there is that element where people even from a purely scientific and engineering perspective have to find within them the energy to grasp something that isn't quite there yet and keep working your way there like a mathematical equation. You know, you know, you need to get to some solution end. Um, you're figuring it out as you're going along. There is a vision. It's not quite clear. It keeps getting sharper and clearer as you're going along with it. And I think once you're in the game, once you are a technology leader, You can't afford, you can't even afford to spend too much time nurturing the success that you do have because very quickly it gets eroded by the next um, evolution of whatever sector you're in. So I think once you are in the seat and you're leading, while you do need to have room for when you transition out and how it happens, and succession planning and building the team and all of that. You, you, you very much have to define your leadership by what you're leading, what, what, what vision that you are leading and guiding the organization to. That's, that's, that's brilliant and instructive as well. I mean,
0: today we see you know, Twitter establishing its headquarters in, in its Africa headquarters in Ghana. We see a lot of um, Ghanaian um, devs moving outside the country, being employed in your Microsofts and your Googles and, you know, wherever. It obviously tells us that there is incredible talent available in Ghana. I'm just wondering from from where you sit, because, I mean, you moved from Ghana, went outside to train and came back and built a business that you did. I'm just wondering, you know, what all of this means for for you. I mean, seeing all this, all these companies moving into the country onto the continent um all these jobs being made available globally where people can connect so easily and ghanaian tech talent standing up tall and making their voices heard globally. I just wonder what 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 that for you is like
1: um philip it's it's um <laughs> it's Nice to be a Ghanaian and believe that Ghanaian tech talent is unique or outstanding. And that's why Twitter may be moving in here. Um, I would say that there is excellent tech talent everywhere and more so in places where there is a concerted demand for innovation that encourages the basically what goes into developing um, that that nature of ability and skill so if we're to use a football analogy you and i understand and see and have seen where top football talent from all over the world goes to which two or three leagues that top talent from Asia, Africa, the Americas goes to, right? And so it tells you that the talent itself exists everywhere, but there are certain conditions orchestrated in certain places that will constantly draw a particular type of talent to. Um, Even in an increasingly digitized and connected world, um, where people may not need to physically move geographically to a place to engage in work because their talent has premium value there, they will probably, um, um, where the opportunities is available, be remotely engaged there. So when in 2021, a Twitter announces a presence in Ghana, um, it's not always clear whether it's a 2021 decision or it's an earlier decision with a 2021 action Um, what i mean is what we are increasingly seeing today is many organizations are evolving to engage people wherever they are without necessarily needing to do the kinds of physical presence setup after all Ghanaians have been using Twitter for many years without there being any physical setup here. So, yes, it might look like it's because there is a sense that there's a certain talent here, but maybe we should also give some credit to the Ghanaian environment and its attractiveness relative to other West African and African countries, how competitive Ghana is as a destination for global multinationals. And I think that is a reputation Ghana has nurtured and so it's it's usually Ghana versus Nigeria versus Kenya versus South Africa these days Rwanda Rwanda has become a very attractive um, destination for um, global organizations of excellence to situate in when they are looking at having uh, presence in Africa having said that smart Companies and more so smart tech companies tend to get to a stage where they realize that to move beyond their current level of success or to find a new wave, they need to find new markets. That that is growth. They may even be in those new markets, but they need to grow in new markets. And that they often find that the means to do that requires some local nuance. Mm-hmm. Local nuance comes in many different forms. Um, sometimes it's language, sometimes it's simply perception and the way people act, communicate, do things, you know. Um, so it's it's interesting today seeing, for instance, uh, BBC Pigeon p- English, not only on radio, which I think was there before, but even published online. Um, so there's often this inclination, I mean, um, we saw, Google move into Africa around 2008, 2009, we saw Facebook moving about uh, uh, five, six years ago. So it's 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 a trend. It's just that, um, I think, two to five years from now, it's, mm-hmm. it we will see less of such physical movement, announcement that speak to moving and setting up an office here and, and engaging people here. To the point you made earlier, because it will become that much more common that people are engaged wherever they are, for whatever skill they have, to deploy work wherever it's needed and is relevant. So I guess we have to enjoy it while <laughs> it is
0: still happening. But you, 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 in 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 your work, you you've had to obviously do um, a good balancing act between public sector and private sector and the collaborations that. Can emerge from that, and it is one of the rather um, murky waters that a lot of young tech CEOs would have to also navigate. Any 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 lessons you would like to share with young tech CEOs about how to navigate those public sector waters as they go about building their businesses?
1: Yeah, um, that can be a difficult one, um, uh, to the extent that I think, uh, public sector organizations, almost anywhere in the world operate on a different pace and basis than your typical private corporations and more so entrepreneurial startups, entrepreneurial startups, you can think of as high speed, lightweight, um, mature private organizations. medium speed, medium medium to heavy weight, and then your typical public sector organizations are medium to slow speed, sometimes heavy weight, sometimes overweight. Um, And so the cultures of engagement, um, how long it takes people to respond, how long it takes people to make a decision, how long it takes people to make a commitment, how long it takes them to... um, process and execute on a commitment for a very young startup engaging with a public sector organization can, not in every scenario, but in many scenarios, can be really challenging just from that pace and the structure of the organizations. So um, in 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 a typical startup, especially a tech startup, um, it's, it's, um, there's an expression. I think Mark Zuckerberg is not have now how it goes, but it's something to the extent of do things fast, break them, you know, make them, um, it's the culture is to experiment, to try stuff, to fit, to fail fast, to learn from it, move ahead. Whereas in public sector organizations. Um, there has to be a whole lot more prudence in the process of approvals and determining things that should move and should not, because there is the public trust to manage amongst other hurdles. You know? So it's, it's, if, if you're starting up an organization and your target market is public sector, then you probably need to have in your team um, mature people and mature money. (laughs) Mature people who maybe have experience, have worked and worked in those halls before, and so understand the language and what it takes to um, uh, get things to shift in response to what you seek to engage with them on. And mature money from the perspective of... uh, money that can play the long haul um because the typical turnaround times tend uh, to be longer it's it's um it can be a real challenge um except in the scenario where maybe the business is being designed to meet a public sector opportunity that has already been mature, and and um, maybe all the policies and the regs and the institutions that need to you know operationalize are are there and they are active and they are rolling but usually in scenarios like that then you are entering into a highly competitive market where there are already mature players and things are advanced so um, i guess the long and short of it is it's not going to be easy either way what what um A startup entrepreneurial leader needs is grit, perseverance, vision, clarity. You've got to be going after a goal and a vision. That is so compelling that it gives you the energy to stay the race. Because even if you are going after what you believe is an open uh, end user, private end user market, you're still going to be in a highly competitive space. There is always competition out there and resources will always be constrained. And so, whichever space you choose to navigate, understanding the terrain, putting together a team that has the understanding and what it takes to win and having a plan and having a compelling vision and a plan to get there um, are still just fundamental um, uh, what pins you have to have in your armory ultimately
0: to win. Share your thoughts and opinions on the show via the WhatsApp number 054-998-6996. Tweet at us using hashtag CityTrend. Which, which products among the many that you've built um, are you most proud of? And what lessons did you pick up from the experience of building those that particular product or those particular products,
1: or solutions hmm. for that matter? That's a great question. I'll, I'll kind of answer from the front to the back. I'm saying so because um, in our product history in Rankard, um, The product platforms we developed over the years were related in that one generation of products we built influenced the next on a trajectory of our understanding of what we were trying to win in. So as of the time I was stepping down as CEO, in fact, the month in which I stepped down, Rankard was issued a patent. Um, by the US uh, PTO, um, which defined a contextual trust graph. Basically, um, a unique and novel data structure that is able to represent models of trust between users in the context of um, commercial products and services that they may influence each each other on, um, which can be applied in, say, a retail scenario in uh, what is commonly referred to as social recommendations. Um, The process of being awarded a patent by the USPTO is very involving, but also has has a a very steep, um, um, a steep, bar for determining that what you are introducing as an inventor is novel and unique and it's not likely that some other engineer inventor who came across a similar problem as you're looking at would also come up with a solution like what you have on the flip side the process of your being awarded the patent also involves extensive investigations on what other patents in the domain of your invention do exist already? And it's 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 interesting that um, the domain area of the of of the patents that are in let's say the sector of what we were awarded, you know, have patents from Facebook, patents from Microsoft, patents from global technology giants out there, and and. The process that we went through um, to defining what we'd seen as an opportunity, determining the technological approach we would use to uncover that opportunity, building out the software platform to capture um, what we referred ultimately as to a trust graph and finally filing for a patent on it is probably what was most remarkable because it was in that process, which started way back in about 2011 um, in a senior team retreat where our board of directors had guided us to ask ourselves uh, at the time, if I remember right, uh, Dr. Patrick Iwar was chairman of the Board of Ranka, they had just taken over from uh, Mr. John Income. and they had guided us to think about what was next ahead of us, and and we looked fundamentally at what we had, what we were learning, where we felt our customers would, what we we thought our customers should expect next, right. and and went through an involving process of defining it, building it, and ultimately. Um, um, uh, licensing the intellectual property around it, so yeah. it was influenced by um, earlier products. Um, this one called Rendezvous is is actually a name spin on what the company name Rancard is because it's a French word which actually means a rendezvous. So it's kind of um, an expression of the pinnacle of the ambitions of the first generation of uh, innovators in the organization that's what we've left and handed over to um, the next generation that's, that's that's incredible well
0: i mean we have just a couple of minutes to wrap up this conversation but succession planning as a technology business owner um, i mean you've spoken about it Earlier, but um, at which point does it begin? And for you, if someone is considering it, um, any quick lessons for them to note down, you know, so it doesn't shock them when they
1: finally bow out? <laughs> yeah, um, I think succession planning starts with having the confidence to work with people who are smarter than you people whom you respect, um, people whom you are confident um, giving into on important matters you might find yourself arguing on. Um, And succession planning should really be a matrix throughout the organization. It should be as simple as when X person has to go and leave or has an emergency, is there an X two person available to step in who understands their work, understands who they are working with and is able to take it up. It should start right from there. It should be at the heart of how the organization operates. And then that same spirit should filter up in terms of leadership development as well. So that one of the important things you notice that in some organizations, there is an indication fairly clear, even if not committed, publicized, fairly clear as to who is next. Um, it's it's an important thing because it takes a while to prepare and develop leadership. It's emotional, it's psychological, it's technical. You know, it's, there are different aspects of what it takes to be a leader in a given environment. And it is a journey. Nobody who is a great leader at the end of their life story started as a a great leader, and the question in which people ask are leaders uh, made or are they born? Um, <laughs> while it may appear that certain people have a, have inclinations to or a proclivity to what we generally see as leadership skills, leadership is really tested in 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 certain moments and scenarios. Um, so it's really hard to determine whether somebody is or will be a great leader until they are tested by a significant unexpected scenario, how they handle it, how they manage a difficulty, not necessarily how they manage um, uh, when everything is going well. So you have to develop it. You have to, even while you're there, step back, give people the opportunity to step forward. Let them know you have the confidence in them. Give people room to make mistakes and to learn from them. And if you create an environment like that, then um, succession planning is not as hard because uh, very quickly you get to see in leadership and everybody else kind of gets to see who the leaders are in the different areas and and, and um it's 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 easier then to be able in those moments of significant transitions to pick out who leads next
0: now as we wrap up rank hard mm-hmm. anniversary time loss to celebrate lots to look forward to clearly from this conversation um what would you like to tell the world about what they should expect from Rancard, even as Rancard celebrates its anniversary? Ah, well,
1: I I really am looking to this new leadership generation in Rancard, Ernest, Wusu, Kingston, Tego, and the team they're leading, um, to really show the world um, what they picked up on and what they believe the next level and the direction and the opportunities are for the technology assets and the reputation of an innovative organization that um, um, those of us who were in its first generation of of leadership have left behind. So that's that's really a question that you would have to direct to the new leadership team. Um, I am. I am expectant. I am. I have a lot of confidence. In fact, I am very excited about what the next two to five years will be. Part of my excitement is because I don't know it, but I know the people um, in whose hands um, we have entrusted that next step to. Um, I can only. Um, pray and support them that they find the courage to nurture and continue to nurture a bold vision to lead the team to continue to be innovative, to explore, to believe in themselves that they have the God-given DNA, instruction, basis, ability to um, define and execute what that next level of uh winning in the technology world is given the assets given the product platforms the technologies the as the, the the assets and the reputation of the organization that we've left with them okay well, we thank you so much
0: for making time to join us on city trends and sharing your insight with us as well um listen for the yeah, the, um, I don't even know whether it's a former co-founder, but <laughs> co-founder of oh WorldCard, um, Kofi Dadzi, who is currently on the board of MTN as well. So congratulations, i in order in that respect as well. And um, he's been sharing insights um, about his work within the tech ecosystem in Ghana um, as a CEO, as a business leader within the tech ecosystem, sharing great insight and lots of lessons um, with um, those of us who are now building um, what is left and what we are yet to see. Um, It's been a pleasure coming your way. This is City Trends on 97.3 City FM, and the conversation continues. It's time now for the app segment of the show with Jeffrey Oreku Sapon.
2: Good evening. You're welcome to the app segment on City Trends. Tonight, we are talking about the app called Lole. This app helps you to get access to a collection of services, including career services.
3: Let's listen to Eugene as he talks about Lolly. My name is Eugene Mate, Deputy Operations Manager for Lolly Africa. The name of the app is Lolly, and the spelling is L-O-L-L-E-Y. The app is a service demand app and we have five services on the app. We have the ride hailing, we have the courier service, food on demand, groceries on demand and then service on demand with the ride hailing. If you need a ride somewhere, you go onto our app, request for a ride, a driver comes to pick you up from your location to your destination for a fee. Then we have the courier services. The courier services are for parcels. If you want to send a parcel somewhere, you go onto the app, request for courier, a rider comes to pick the parcel to your destination for a fee. Then we have the food on demand. We have enrolled restaurants onto our app. So we have various restaurants on our app. So if you want your food, you go onto our app, request for your food. A rider goes to pick the food from your restaurant and then brings it to you for a fee. Then we have the groceries on demand. It's similar to the food on demand. We have supermarkets on our app. So if you need groceries, you go to our app, request for groceries. And then a rider goes to pick the groceries from the supermarket and then brings it to your place for a fee. Then we have the service on demand If is on service on demand we have enrolled electricians plumbers beauticians cleaners and many more on the app so if you need the service of any of these people you go onto the app make a request for these services they come to your destination offer the service for you for a fee so basically this is what we do is an on-demand app if you need any services you go onto the app you request for the services the service is granted and then a fee is paid
0: well ellen is up next now with the your tech segment Ellen, take it away.
4: Hello, everyone. Welcome back to your favorite tech show. I hope everyone is fine and safe from the coronavirus. This evening on the Your Tech segment, we are going to be interacting with Kofi. And basically, we'll be talking about battery draining apps or activities that, you know, run our batteries down within the shortest possible time. So, Kofi spoke to me and he said this. Let's listen.
2: I own an HP laptop
1: that um, I've been using for a couple of years now. I rarely ever shut it down because I work around the clock. And I rarely ever take out the charger as well because the sort of work that I do with the apps that I use are power intensive. They they consume a lot of power. Um, I noticed recently, however, that when I have to work on the fly and then I can't have access to a power outlet, The laptop doesn't stay on for long it stays on for very
2: a very short period and then i get the prompts that i'm running out of battery power sometimes i don't even get the prompt and then the laptop just goes off so i don't know what the actual problem
1: is or how to resolve it so if i could get some advice on that i'd be grateful
4: so yeah i believe one way or the other a lot of us experience this i for one have a phone that doesn't really have a strong battery So in a day I could charge it like three to four times, which is sort of stressful because you know, you are not home or in a fixed place all the time to have the comfort of just connecting your charger if your phone should go low. So we would go straight to the point to share a few tips on how to save our battery in order to be able to use our gadgets for a longer period of time.
2: Well, batteries don't like subjected to low or high temperatures for long periods of time. This will reduce their lifespan. Batteries have an estimated number of cycles designed into it. A cycle means a full charge so the battery runs out. Every time you charge your battery full and you use it till it goes out equals one cycle. Since the cycles are finite, you have to make sure you don't exhaust them. Exhausting all your cycles means that your battery will not be fit for purpose. Batteries also don't like being plugged into the socket all the time. They need to flex their muscles. They need to work. So when you charge them, allow the computer or the device to run on the battery for a while before connecting it to the power socket. These are just other points to note. One, do not let the batteries run completely flat before you charge them. When you see the batteries are low, plug them in. Don't wait till they go off by themselves. Don't expose the device with the battery to either too low or high temperatures. Batteries don't like extreme temperatures, whether it is freezing cold or piping hot that also reduces their efficiency and their lifespan. Do not plug lots of accessories into the computer or device that has that battery. Heavy drain is not good, will also reduce their lifespan. Four, substantially adequate RAM also helps in preventing serious drain on your battery, in that it prevents the computer from often assessing the, um, the drives to either write or read data. So when you have big RAM, the computer or the microprocessor can pick data in large chunks and work on them, uh, so preventing the disks to always read and write, which reduces the lifespan of the batteries. Reduce heavy battery draining activities like um, increasing or putting your the brightness of your screen at its highest level, always playing music, um, using or in running keyboard lights, um, playing games for long hours at a time on your laptop or your device. All these things reduce the lifespan of your battery. Also, um, if you are not using the Wi-Fi and the Bluetooth, um, they are better left off. Okay, but for your problem, you need a battery replacement. Thank you. I hope this helps. Bye-bye.
4: Right, so that's all we have for today. Hopefully, we'll be back next week addressing the issues that you have. Get in touch with me on Twitter. The handle is at dapa. The DAPA is D-A-P-A-A-H. Or contact us on the WhatsApp number that Philip would be giving out. Share your issues with us and we will help you out. Have a good evening. Stay safe.
0: It's time for Mr. Entry to bring us up to date with everything within the tech
5: space. Mr. Entry, it's all yours. Thank you, Philip. And I welcome you all to the week's biggest stories in the technology ecosystem here in Ghana and in other regions of the world. Before I dive into the week's set of trending stories, Twitter is establishing its African headquarters in Ghana. And they are currently building a team of talented Ghanaians and Nigerians. Head to their career pitch. If you are interested in working for Twitter Ghana. Well, as you do that, this week, I bring you news on ZipPay's latest acquisition. Some news on a new suite of audio products Facebook will be launching very soon. A $1 million fund launched by Zoom to support startups building apps for its platform. And a sad exit of Adobe's co-founder and the creator of PDFs to start Ghanaian fintech company ZP which has operations in over 10 African countries last week acquired a 51% stake in Zambian mobile money company Mawin. This deal makes ZP Ghana the majority stakeholder in Mawin and this is the first time in the history of mobile money development that two indigenous African fintechs are coming together to grow. According to the managing director of ZP Andrew Techiapia the acquisition of Mari is strategic and it will open up the Southern African Corridors for ZPAY. To our next story, Facebook has announced a suite of audio products for its platform. This suite of products include bites a new way to share short-form audios on Facebook. The SoundBite feature comes with a set of audio creation tools which will enable one to create short-form creative audio clips for capturing jokes, moments of inspiration, poems, among others. Another product they will be rolling out very soon is Live Audio Rooms, which in some ways is a clone of Clubhouse, but with a monetization option where users can support creators of Live Rooms through a new program called STARS. Also, another product which forms the audio suite is the Podcast Support. This feature allows podcast creators to share their podcasts directly on Facebook and users can listen to the podcast right in the Facebook app whilst using it and also in the background. Facebook is also going to help in the discovery of new podcast shows on its platform. All these products are expected to be rolled out globally in the coming months. To our third story of the week, American video conferencing platform, Zoom, a $100 million investment fund to encourage promising startups who are using its toolkits to launch businesses and also to encourage developers to take advantage of its platform to build tools. Interested startups and developers can apply directly to the fund at zoom.com forward slash fund, zoom.com forward slash fund. To our last and final story of the week, the co-founder of American software company, Adobe, the company behind the development of creative tools such as Photoshop, Premiere Pro Audition, Lightroom among others, Charles Jeske, who died last Friday at the age of 81. Charles is best known for his work in revolutionizing desktop publishing with the introduction of PDFs in 1993, a format of assessing documents which opened the world of desktop publishing. May his soul rest in perfect peace. And on that sad note, we come to the end of this week's set of trending stories in the technology ecosystem. You can follow me on Twitter at yao Over to you, Philip. Well, one of the biggest announcements made
0: by apple at its apple event has to do with a slew of product and of course there's the air tags there's a the new purple iphone 12 as well for you to take note of improvements to of course the ipad pro with the m1 chip and then a brand new design and a host of colors for the i as well lots of brilliant things happening from cupertino from the Apple headquarters to the world. Um, My name is Futhepastron. A big thank you to the production team. And remember, the show will be available as a podcast as well. So make sure you check out other podcast platforms and soak it again. Till next week, stay techy!